0: Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. The good guy coming last place last, last last that last, when I pass by I, love I, love I, love I love my love money at a fast pace
1: Say hello to the bad guy Alright, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not gonna cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So Speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got DC.
2: What up, dude?
1: Then also with us today, we got Tank. Hey, everybody! All right, I got the
3: Duke. Hey, what's going on? That's my new Hanna Barbera intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a forest creature with a slightly New York accent. <laughs> Maybe I'm from the city. I had to move out here. Maybe I uh, witnessed something. I needed some protection from an agency. I don't know. Don't mind me. I'm just a cartoon squirrel.
1: Hey, uh, New Yorkers are big on the woods, man. The cat skills and all that shit. Dirty dancing.
3: Yeah, that's one thing. Michigan, New York, gotten in, like in common. Everyone talks about upstate New York. Here in Michigan, we have up north. Up north just means I'm going camping.
1: DC, you want to kick us off? What you got to drink today?
2: Yeah, I'm going with the uh, the old triple stout. Got it in a nice little uh, nice little mug to keep it cold because I kind of started before we started. So, uh, and I went with the Crown Black again. I tried on our episode for the um, the first season recap. And that was my first time having a Crown Black. It was very good. So I ran it back. So Crown Black and a little coffee. Nice. The DC Classics. <laughs>
1: Dan, you want to go?
2: Word. Well, I'm sticking
3: with my old Duke Classics myself. I got the old Guinness. Not triple stout. I'm only going singular stout. It's a draft stout. And I know that that's draft, not drought, because I, I'm not an idiot. I know how to speak correctly. And then for a little, uh, a little, a little something extra, I got some uh, Larceny small batch weeded bourbon. Nice.
4: Okay. Oh, nice.
3: I was going to go with the classic Buffalo Trace. That's my go-to. But I figure since we're saying hello to the bad guys, go with a little Larceny.
1: That Larceny is one of my favorite bourbons. It's real smoky, but not overpowering, just real tasty.
3: Well... For most of my drinks, this is another one that I had first time at your house, so I remember it and I dug it and uh, I dig this shit. I'm just now opening; it's a fresh fifth.
1: Obviously, the name Larceny's a good fit for the show. I just wish instead of Larceny, I wish it was Vagrancy.
3: <laughs> See, we'll start our own bag of bourbons, and that will be one Vagrancy. We'll also have one called the Man Act. <laughs>
4: You can, only, you can only drink it in the state it was made. It can't travel <laughs> across the lines and shit. All
1: right. Well, uh, what do you got to drink today, Ty?
4: Uh, We got one from Dark Horse Brewing in Marshall, Michigan. Dark Horse Brewing Bafo Brown Ale. Side of the can says, much like the Great Lakes, Bafo Brown is a favorite to all of us here at the brewery. A rich and robust full body with a soft, lingering mouthfeel. Pushing the envelope, American Brown Ale. This beer delivers a combination of malt, caramel, toffee, finishing with a nutty, mild earthiness. It was relatively um, cheap, you know, on the craft brew scale, I could say. I, th- I think I grabbed it from Meyer for $7.99. It was a sixer. Nice.
2: Sounds really delicious. I yeah. Mean- I mean,
4: my palate isn't totally... Uh, up with my tastes and like 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 my choices in, in craft beer and somehow I can't discern half the fucking flavors they usually talk about but <laughs> it's, it's not your average brown ale man it's got some good flavor to it you can definitely kind of taste some toffee um some smoky kind of like coffee notes and caramel flavor too but yeah no good brew it's seven percent and uh real quick on the drink tip I was going to pay tribute with the triple stout, but like I got to fucking work at like five o'clock in the morning. And shit. So I can't be like, I can do alcohol, but if I throw caffeine in the mix too, I'm going to end up like sitting up till three in the morning playing video games or some shit. So anyways, uh, Next time, I promise, man, that's going to be my, my drink. Definitely.
1: I got, I guess it's something of a classic. I'm sure I had it on the podcast, but either way, a founder stout is like what I go with every other time but I got the uh, founder's breakfast stout, which is uh, a double.
4: bought that instead.
1: Oh, did you? Yeah, I was struggling. Because it was on sale, right? That's why I bought it. Yeah. It, was on sale. <laughs> it was either this or the big luscious, but I've had that on the podcast like four times now. So I'm like, all right, I might as well just get the breakfast stout. That would be, have been fucked up if we'd have both pulled up at the same time over there in the breakfast stout aisle.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Do you all remember the? Um, it was one season of The Breakfast Out where they took the baby off because they were getting a bunch of bad publicity. I
3: think so there was like a that. batch.
2: Yeah, there was a batch for one season with no baby on it.
3: <laughs> oh, that's terrible, man.
2: Yeah, they got a bunch of heat for it because it's alcohol and there's a baby on it. And then I guess after the heat, somebody decided F it, we're just going to do it anyway. And they brought it back the very next next season.
1: Well, I mean, the baby's not drinking the beer. <laughs> it's just on the bottle <laughs> and shit. Yeah, I you know how
2: people yeah. can get.
1: I guess. Well, before we get started, got to make sure I take the time to thank Six Folk Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. Cancer for letting us use his song in the mid-roll. You can follow them both on Instagram, Six Folk Swaino on Instagram, or Eyes Bleed Defiance, where you can see Cancer's all his graphic art, photography. He did our logo. You can see that there. You can follow us at Bad Guy Podcast on Instagram and TikTok, and then uh, say hello to the Bad Guy on Facebook. If you're having a hard time finding any of the links, you can go to the website, badguypodcast.com, and you can click through all the links through there. But yeah, we'll get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Robert Toy.
0: This ain't
5: negotiation time. This is Scarface. Final scene. Fucking bazookas under each
1: arm. Say hello to my little friend. All right, so this one was recommended to us by Minga Rob,
2: Blind Bob. So, does that mean like he he shoots people and he's a very terrible shot? <laughs> where does where, where does that nickname come from?
3: Maybe he's like the bad guy
2: daredevil. Hey, that would be sweet. That would be that would be pretty awesome.
3: Or what if he just rocked sunglasses and beat people up with a cane? There's a lot of options. (laughs) Let's go a lot of ways.
1: So Robert Toy was born in San Pedro, California in 1948 and was one of four kids. His dad was a factory worker. His mom was a dishwasher. And then at an early age, he developed retinitis pigmentosa and began to lose his eyesight.
2: Oh, wow. Is that where literally their eyes start changing colors and everything and they get really light and they stop being able to see? I'm not sure. I think the eyes get real glossy. Okay. But what it means is
1: you lose your peripheral. It starts slowly going uh, into the tunnel vision. Okay. So mm-hmm. you keep getting narrowed down to tunnel vision and then uh, you'll have like issues with distances. It gets cloudy and then mm-hmm. it just slowly gets worse and worse.
2: I uh, gotcha.
1: Uh, but he was, he was always real smart. He had a sharp mind and he always managed to stay in trouble. At eight years old, he was considered the mascot of the local street gang.
3: Wait, not a member, just the mascot?
1: Well, because he was a little eight-year-old blind kid, so I guess he couldn't be like a full-fledged gangster.
4: What year was this now, when he was eight?
1: This would have been 1956.
4: All right, so that's probably back in the time where you could call somebody fucking blind Bobby or whatnot, and it was like accepted, like, well, he's blind. We don't call him asshole Rob, and you're a fucking asshole, so fuck off.
2: I think I was on one episode on here, and we were talking about, you know, the nature of nicknames. Never came from anything positive. It's like usually your nickname is people. A lot of times hate their nickname. It's like when you all did the um, the uh, the recent podcast where Al Capone it was like, "No, you're not going to call him Scarface. He, he hates that name. Like if you don't hate your nickname, it's probably not the right nickname. You gave it to yourself." <laughs>
1: Nobody ever called Bugsy Siegel Bugsy to his face. Everybody called him Benny.
3: But There's a couple like Tough Teddy. That's a good one. A lot of good ones out there.
1: Yeah, Tough Teddy wasn't bad. Lightning Lee Murray. He liked that one because they were calling him Alien (laughs) before that.
3: I'm just trying to wrap my head around this this gang that just sees this blind eight-year-old. They're like, hey, you know what? He's our new mascot. It'd be real fucked up if they jumped him in. (laughs)
1: 50s gangs, I don't think they were jumping people in. They were still like wearing leathers and slicking their hair back and shit.
3: They were still just singing doo wop outside of Five and Dime stores.
1: At 16, he started his first criminal operation. He'd run ads for work from home stuffing envelopes that only required a $5 application fee. And then he'd just take all the $5 application fees and never send out any envelopes to be stuffed or any work or anything.
2: Listen, people were still falling for that scam recently. (laughs) <laughs> that scam has been around for so long. It was like stuff envelopes from home or sell recipes for home. Just send us this $5 or 10 It was always like a small amount. And then you send it in and nobody ever hears anything. And sadly, I bet if somebody did that today, it would be people that would fall for it. Yeah, as long as it's a small enough, that's
3: the thing. It has to be an amount that's worth it but so small that someone's not going to get all up in arms about it, like small enough where they'll just charge it to the game.
1: And that's why he was actually able to do it for years and make tons mm-hmm. and tons of money. By the age of 18 years old, he was in and out of prison. And then eventually his scheme caught up to him. And he was convicted of a federal mail fraud and was sent to a federal prison in Springfield, Missouri in 1973. Springfield, Missouri is a federal prison that provides medical, mental health, and dental services to male offenders.
2: So basically, if you got something else going on where maybe they they don't want you in general population or the big boy prison, they send you here. Like like you said, you, let's say somebody was claiming mental insanity or something like that, or this guy being blind, they would send you here.
1: Exactly. Somebody yeah, that's
2: normal prison guards don't have to have to worry about
3: uh a blind guy all the time. Like, that's just spells trouble, a blind dude. And I was about to make the joke, like prison be the worst place to be blind. But when they send you to a special prison, like they got it all hooked up for like the hearing impaired, the sight impaired
2: and shit. He's probably all right. I didn't know anything like this exists. I figured they would just look at it as, hey, you did a crime, do the time, and just lock you up with everybody
4: else. He was probably pissed because he was like, no, man. I'll be the mascot of the real prison, bro. Just send me to the real prison. Don't send me to this boring-ass prison and shit. I want to go to the fucking real prison.
3: I already carved my my cane into a giant shank and everything.
1: I was running the streets at 8. You're going to try and save me from this life? This is my (laughs) life, man.
2: I love how the prison got, like, a big baseball diamond in the middle of it.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was a high school complex at first, man. <laughs> How many prisons look like that? Like that front building looks like it could be like a capital of a fucking state. Oh well, yeah, he
3: said Springfield. I thought that was a uh, the town square from Simpsons.
1: I guess a lot of the federal prisons do because they're newly built. So a lot of the uh, state prisons are old prisons that've been around for a long time or used to be forts or whatever. But most I, of the federal I, most of the federal prisons were built more recently, like than that, and then updated because you know. This is America. Prison's big business, baby. Obviously.
4: If they have a separate prison with those kind of facilities. Yeah.
2: So in other words, what you're saying is if you do a crime, make sure it's a federal crime so at least you can go to a nice prison. That was what <laughs> I heard. Well, no, what it was was all those other
3: federal prisons we hear about The Al Capone got sent to like Alcatraz and uh, what was the name of that that prison, the famous one?
1: Uh, there's Florida but, uh,
3: Supermax. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. But, uh, yeah, you either go to those crazy places or then once blind people and all these other people got caught and, like, sent to prison, they like, you know what? we got to send these, these people to better ones, these stone prisons. We'll save that for, like, the real bad guys.
1: So while he's in prison, he overhears other prisoners talking about how federal banks instruct tellers to hand over cash to robbers without causing an incident. And then when he gets released in March of 1974... He gets picked up from the prison at a, in a cab. He takes a cab to the nearest federal bank and tells the driver to wait for him. He's got to run in and grab some money real quick. He goes in, and he hands the teller a note that says he's got a gun and over the money. And without any questions, she gave him $8,000. He went back outside and jumped in the cab and left. <laughs>
3: Dude, hey, that's crazy. Like, who listen. takes
2: a cab to a bank robbery? That's, that's Whatever heavy. he's doing. I don't know if he hasn't completely lost his eyesight or what, but this guy is – he he doesn't seem to have a problem getting around, maneuvering or whatever is needed. So, hey, more power to you. First of all, he wrote the note, right? He wrote the (laughs) note, (laughs) put everything together, walked into the bank, gave it to the right teller, and then got the money and went back to the cab. Hey, hey, this guy's a winner.
4: (laughs) You're right. You're right, man. So many questions, and if they're all answered, fucking impressive.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm just like, blind or not, that's just some smooth shit. Be like, hey, you know what, cab? Pull over. I got to run this bank real quick. Grab some money. He literally went in there and grabbed some money. You think he just walked out smooth as shit? Just hopped in the cab and was like, continue.
4: I wonder if he even walked away from the prison. Or if the guy, like the guy in the cab was just like, fuck it, man, my life's boring. I know I just picked this dude up from the prison and took him straight to a fucking bank. But I mean, fuck it, dude, let's roll the dice.
2: Hey, as long (laughs) as you can pay the tab of the cab, I'm with it.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he had a bank bank? account before he went in, you know, maybe he had a bank account before he went in.
3: Like, you know, that cab wanted to say something, but then he'd feel like a dick. (laughs) Am I discriminating if I asked this guy some questions? So he just, he didn't want to say anything.
1: So it looks like that 8,000 is about 47,000 now. Hey,
3: that's a good lick. You think like an old school bank robber from like the early 1900s talking like back in my day, we used to almost get shot when we robbed the bank. (laughs) (laughs) You kids today in your
1: notes. So he kept himself clean until 1977, but most of that time he had been kind of planning how to make this a scheme. In 1977, he pulls off his next job the same way. The security guard opened the door for him on the way in and thanked him on the way out.
2: <laughs> Never knew anything happened. Smooth operator.
3: That's so crazy. You figure there would be some sort of signal the teller could at least give the security guard. Like, I know they have <laughs> a thing like, don't struggle giving the bet, but you think like, he would just yell like, muskrat, muskrat. <laughs> like, the guy at the door would at least know
2: <laughs> muskrat was the code. Something <laughs> <laughs> like it's crazy.
4: <laughs> uh, we got to go, go with him being a smooth operator from the information we have so far. I'm just going to say I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt like we we're giving him for all the other questions that we had. Like he wrote on the note, like, bitch, don't scream don't say muskrat, don't tell nobody nothing. You know what I'm saying? And that's how he got out. And that's how the guy was like, well, sir, have a nice day because just like the cab driver, dude, like the cops were like, well, sir, uh, Mr. Cab Driver, you picked him up from the prison and took him to a federal bank. If I'm that cab driver, I'm like, fuck yeah, I did a blind dude getting out of prison. I'm taking that motherfucker wherever the fuck he wants to go, dude. It's just like the guy at the door. Why wouldn't I thank him? He was a regular customer. Nobody said muskrat.
3: Nobody said, yeah. Well, I mean, like Locke said, he was he had this plan, he knew exactly what to write on that letter.
1: Over his next eight robberies, he refined his technique. Banks were very difficult for him to see in because they were dark. So, what he decided to do, figured obviously, if I'm coming in as a blind dude, they're going to spot that because they know a bank, you know, some blind guys robbing everybody. So, he would case the places so he could walk in. So, he'd figure out how to walk in. He would focus his right eye that he could kind of see with, and he'd focus on the back of somebody's shoes that he could follow up to a teller's window. He said he'd have to wait for an elderly person because young people would walk too fast.
3: <laughs> I like to think he yelled at a couple. Hey, slow down, slow down. I'm trying to follow you. Slow down.
4: <laughs> and maybe he did. And maybe they're like, all right, sir, no problem. Uh, just like the cab driver and the door holder
2: I love that the way that he did that. It's like when you have certain handicaps or things of that sort, and it's like you find other ways to kind of get around it. So it's like I can see just enough where if I follow these shoes, it'll look like I'm looking down, but people won't know that I'm blind. Then he waits on the little old person and just follow me in real slow. I mean, this guy's a genius. I don't know what to say.
1: <laughs> he would hand over a note that said – be quick, be quiet, or you're dead. Put all the cash in the bag. I have a gun. See the point? I like it. Now, he never actually had a gun, but a couple times he brought an unloaded pellet gun so they can make it look like he had a gun.
3: Wow. <laughs> this is so Man.
2: ridiculous. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it's different. <laughs> you get a different amount of time if you claim to have a weapon versus actually having a weapon. Yeah, you definitely get way more if you have an actual gun.
1: Once they would hand over the money, he would unfold his cane and then hurry out to a waiting cab and then take off.
2: <laughs> he comes here like he's blinded it, folded up and ran.
3: <laughs> I'm just saying, this guy, he walks up just completely normal. You don't know he's blind or nothing. He's like, be quick. Be, be quick. Give me money. You're dead. Have a gun. So the second he gets obviously all of a sudden he whips out the cane, does a blind man shuffle to the door and you're like, what the fuck just happened? What was that? <laughs> like, how confused would you be? You would feel like an asshole after that, be like, that guy was, bl- he wouldn't even have
1: hit me. What the fuck? So his plan was working great until September 1977. He was fleeing. Two armed guards that were running late were delivering money. And as he was leaving, he ran into them, got knocked over. They pointed him out as a robber, and he was arrested and sent to the Metropolitan Correction Center in New York.
3: <laughs> Ba-dum-bum.
1: All right, what we're going to do, we're going to take a real quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
5: Shackles to break out of They cower, soul over, mob them And they crowd us Spilling in the street with heat like hot lava Hot bottles, molotovs tossed and rocks follow his disciples like vipers, they strike quickly Come Command me like an army, I'm tearing you down with me Spit like the and rulers of bread like kaisers. Survival with rivals with throat punches! Wow, yeah. Dropping seven second deaths, scattering the children, run, rubbing till there's nothing left. Ashes in the water, sons and daughters holding flags up high. Wallow in the harbor as the military tanks arrive. Penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war has the honor of turning kings into cannibals.
1: All right, we're back. So when we left off, he was locked up in prison, the New York Correctional C- Center. While there, he would spend a lot of time with other bank robbers, kind of trading notes. Other bank robbers would say, what you got to do is stick to city banks. They have the laxest security of all the federal banks. So that's the way to go.
3: And- <laughs> that's great. They talk to these guys, and it's like uh, how dudes talk about um- – Dating sites like, no nah, man, you're on that uh, match. No, nah, you got to go on Tinder. Tinder, those girls are the ones that put it out like that's the way you're like, <laughs> probably, you got to go on Citibank, they are loose over there. They will put bills out. <laughs> the Citibank's, What are you doing, e Harmony credit unions? What, what, in February
1: 1983, he made several attempts to escape prison, never worked. And eventually, in February 1983, he was getting hard to manage in a state prison. And due to a paperwork error, they tried to send him to a halfway house. So he arrives at the halfway house, and they refused to admit him since they couldn't accommodate his disability. And then they got frustrated, and they end up just signing his release because they didn't have nowhere to stick him.
3: <laughs> I love how they couldn't handle his disability. Like, the motherfucker robs banks. I think he's good. <laughs> Just walk in front of him. He'll follow your shoes. Like, he knows what he's doing.
4: Damn good uh, suggestion, man. Everything you bring up about this dude, it makes me like, wait, what? Yeah, he tried to escape prison a couple times. I'm like, what? That was the last shit I was expecting you to say. Damn good uh, suggestion for this guy.
1: Thank you, You Minga Rob.
4: <laughs> the first couple times he tried to
3: escape, it was funny. They just sort of watched him. it was cute. <laughs> then like after the hundredth time like, dude, you gotta just stop this. This isn't funny anymore. Just knock it off. We gotta follow you around in these hallways and shit just And then their solution was like, ah fuck it we will just
4: let y'all. <laughs> like, not-
1: so he's at this halfway house that can't accommodate him <laughs> and they just sign his release. So he goes out and he calls a cab. And uh,
3: he said, I got to stop by this bank.
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh, He has the cab take him to the nearest city bank. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this guy is my favorite. He walked into the city bank with a Coke bottle under his prison issued coat and pretended like it was a gun. They handed him over $18,000 in a Saks Fifth Avenue bag. It was his biggest haul to date.
2: What's funny See? is I wonder what he's doing with all the money because it sounds like before he got caught, he did about what? 11 robberies kind of in a row. I think I counted like 11 or 12 robberies, like right in a row. What made him have to go back again? So like, what is he doing with the money? Is he coming back out and like, you know, buying the Bentley of the day or like, what? what is this guy doing with all his money? Or is he, Literally just addicted to robbing banks, the thrill of the game, right?
1: Well, that's a perfect segue because he gets his eighteen thousand dollars, right? That's the most money he's ever had. Mm-hmm. So, the first thing he does, he goes to get some new coat, he gets some new clothes, gets out of his prison coat. Then he has a cab take him to the airport and he flies out to Vegas uh, <laughs> where he spends most of his money's on strippers, showgirls, and parties.
2: Got it. Understand now. <laughs> Ask a question and you shall get an answer.
1: He decides to stay in Vegas. What he'd do is he'd stay in Vegas and he would go to the phone company, which at that time, the phone company would have, you know, phone books for all over the country and stuff in case you need to make like long distance calls or, you know, it's the eighties. You didn't have the internet. So it was a different time. So he would go to the phone company and use a small telescope to sift through a Manhattan phone book and make lists of all the New York city Bank locations. What he would do was once he had a location and everything planned out, he would take a flight from Vegas to New York. He would catch a cab from the airport and have the cab take him to a Citibank branch. He would go in and rob it, come back out, take the cab back to the airport and fly back to Las Vegas. <laughs> That's
3: great. So he was just a, a bank robbing tourist.
1: So what do you do is you take his money and now he's rolling the money. So he's got tons of money and over this spree, in addition to all the money he spent, you know, on his Vegas lifestyle, he saved up $71,000 cash. And then he donated another $35,000 to the retinitis pigmentosa research foundation.
2: <laughs> like, listen, if I am gonna steal all this money, Maybe I can find somebody to fix my eyesight and then I can really get the money.
3: <laughs> you know what? He probably like has to spend extra money at the strip club because he has to touch. <laughs> like, he gets a laugh, there's like no touch. And he's like, this is how I see. Why am I here if I can't? It's champagne room or nothing for this guy.
1: So he kept everything consistent. But then on May 24th, 1983, he disrupted his routine when after leaving the bank, he stopped at a store to replace a piece of his luggage. While he was out of the cab, he was spotted by a task force that had been looking for him, and he was arrested and convicted of nine robberies and sentenced to 17 years in prison. Mm.
3: That's fucked up. They're looking all over for him like, hey, should we go try the bank? Nah, let's hang out by the luggage store, see what pops up. (laughs) Like, (laughs) It's the stupidest place to get spotted.
1: While in jail, he attempted multiple escapes. In total, he attempted 11 escapes from prison.
3: Um, hey, hey, he doesn't give up. He just keeps on trying.
1: One time he made it over two fences, using his cane to hold down the razor wire.
4: What? So Is there a movie about this guy? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Why hasn't there been one yet? <laughs>
3: That's so crazy! Like this blind guy with the cane, Get you know, like the guards in the tower would just watch. He came up to the fence and like, ah, we got him. He's going to have to turn around. And then they, t- oh, oh, wait a second. What is this? And he makes over <laughs> the first one. And then they're like, all right, double or nothing. He is not getting over that second one. Then he whipped out that cane, threw it over. They're like, son of
1: a bitch. That time he was ultimately captured when he injured himself after getting past the fences, running away, and he hit a pine tree.
4: <laughs> Alright, who had the 50 on him getting hurt after the second fence? <laughs> I, I thought it wasn't going to get worse when you rob a bank when
3: you get caught trying to fix your luggage wheel. Oh. This motherfucker hops a fence,
2: gets out of prison, runs into a tree. I mean it makes sense he is very much visually impaired. But I like yeah, you're hilarious. not supposed to you're not supposed
3: to laugh at a blind guy, and I get it, you can But when the motherfucker hops two fences with razor wire, escaping prison, <laughs> then just runs into a fucking tree. Yeah, I don't even care about a movie. There needs to be at least like a little short of this scene at bare minimum.
4: Uh, and at first when when we were going through the episode about halfway right after the break I started having this little mini conspiracy theory that he wasn't even visually impaired like somehow like his eight year old ass somehow came up with that shit and just rolled with it for his life and people just thought it and he was just getting away with shit but then when you said uh, when you said he ran into the tree I was like well guess that blows that fucking theory out the window
3: (laughs) or or he's just sticking to his lie he made it over the fence he's like oh i can't
4: get away with this they're never they're never gonna think i'm blind if i get away with this one dude was like me they were like see i told you he wasn't blind and he was and then he heard that and ran right into the fucking tree on purpose and shit (laughs) that was it. the
3: dude in the tower they were making bets on the fence he's like all right you owe me 10 bucks he made it over both fences like no fuck that this is rigged there's no way that guy's but what yeah, he's blind. Never mind. He's yeah. your
1: pen. He's blind. <laughs> well, early on in the episode when Tank said, I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of a blind guy or I don't want to sound like I'm laughing at a blind guy, I knew at some point he escapes and runs into a tree. <laughs> I'm like, you think that now? That will change,
2: my friend. <laughs> Until this happens. <laughs>
4: <laughs> now, uh, and t- to be fair, my loophole is he's a bad guy. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh,
3: you you got to laugh at a motherfucker who, George of the Jungles.
1: So, obviously, you know, he was sent back to prison. And <laughs> at one point in the interview, when he's asked about rehabilitation, he said, I will always have a few frauds going, but if I ever need a couple thousand dollars, I know where I can get it.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: I don't think that's what they wanted to hear about your thoughts on rehabilitation.
4: And at this point in his life, I mean, why fucking lie? I mean, like I said earlier, man, like I was, I was thinking he was trolling motherfuckers earlier on. Like, he's like, fuck it. I got away with a plastic gun. How about a Coke bottle? You know what I'm saying? now he's like, you know what, fuck it. When I go in front of the parole board, I'm just going to tell him how I really feel and shit. I bet they'll let me out like they did the last motherfucking time.
1: There's been no information about Robert Toy since his 1993
4: release. He just
3: went off into the sunset.
1: I like to think that he didn't go straight. I like to think he got so fucking good that he worked out the kinks. And and he's just been fucking rolling ever since then. He's somewhere in Vegas right now getting a fucking lap dance. A handsy lap dance.
3: Yep, a handsy lap dance.
4: The best kind.
1: By the way, I mean, if you're going to get one, might as well get a pansy
4: lap pants. He's there. He's like, Yeah, it's crazy. I actually did go blind, but only in one eye. He said like, I was able to play it off my whole life. I had to fucking run into a tree <laughs> once when I was in prison and shit. But I mean, look where I'm at now.
3: When I was eight, I tricked a gang into let me be their mascot. The world's my oyster <laughs> ever since.
1: All
0: right.
1: So that's the story of Robert Toy.
0: So say goodnight to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy
1: like this again, let me tell you. All right, so now you guys haven't seen a picture of him yet. As Tank already alluded to, there should be a movie about this guy. But if we're going to cast a movie about Rob Toy, a.k.a. Blind Bob, who would you cast to play him?
2: I already know exactly who I would cast to play him. He's the guy that I cast to play everybody. (laughs) But it's so perfect for this one. It has to be Ed Norton. It's the same character. Piggybacking on the fact that he's really not blind, we know this is an act. It's the same as Ed Norton when he played that the slow guy that was really a genius. And uh, I had to look up the movie name because I never remember it in the score. So he played a, a gentleman that was had some mental issues, but it was nothing wrong with him, and he was really like a genius. And I think they were they were scamming or they were robbing something, but what happened was this guy really isn't blind, and Ed Norton is going to be the perfect guy to play a fake blind guy. That's what I'm going with.
1: <laughs> I have seen that movie. And then he also plays a guy with Tourette's in that new movie, Motherless Brooklyn. See? Ed Norton.
3: Ah. Oh. I don't know. See, in my mind, I'm thinking it's so ridiculous that it's I feel like it should be a comedy. So I don't know. I'm thinking of someone who would just be a really good physical comedian, like someone that could do a lot of pratfalls, like a slapstick humor kind of a guy. For some reason, like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt popped in my head and I have no idea why, but it just popped in my head. Now I can't get it out of my head. That's who I'm going with. I don't know.
4: What do you think, Tank? You got a guess? Yeah, so far, great picks, guys. I mean, I like Ed Norton. I like Gordon Levitt. Good choices because that kind of covers like a good range. I was thinking two actors from Super, uh, was it Super Bad? Where it was oh, it? Like, Jonah Hill or McLovin? Oh, McLovin? <laughs> McLovin. No, no, not Jonah Hill. McLovin or the McLovin. other guy, like
0: Michael uh, Sarah.
4: Sarah. Yes, Michael Sarah. Just because I picture him as like a quirky, like he is like the mascot, you know what I mean? But I, I don't know. For some reason I picture him as thin and shorter side. Then I also went with DiCaprio because his whole story had kind of like a catch me if you can kind of feel to it. But DiCaprio's an easy one. So since I normally flame out on this and just pick like well-known people all the time, I'm going with, uh, Michael Sarah.
3: Well, I want to switch my, cause, uh, Joseph Gordon levitt popped in my head for no reason, but after uh Tank went through his explanation, I'm gonna say Will Forte. I think he would be great. After further deliberations.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's a picture of Robert Toy, aka Blind Bomb.
4: Wow. Wow. This oh, he big dude. Yeah. Nick Offerman. He looks like he did Nick of of the, the Russian mob,
3: or dude. Oh, shit! I gotta look him up. He was on a Dale and Tucker versus Evil. Tyler Labine. If you look him up, that
4: it looks just like him.
2: Oh yeah, yeah I, I, can I, see that. I can definitely see that. Let
4: me see. That's wild, man. It's like it wasn't what I was expecting at all, man. He's all tatted up. I mean, obviously, you see good enough to get around around a weight room. I mean, my man's got bigger arms than me, and I'm a fucking mechanic. You know, goddamn, dude. That's that's wild, bro.
2: Yeah, he's definitely not a small guy. And just look at him like he's bulky. Like, uh, you know, even if he's not lifting weights, he was doing something to keep that kind of size and bulk on him. It doesn't look like just a guy that eats a lot. He looks like he's doing something to stay that size. Yeah, he, he's been in fucking jail. That's, <laughs> that's all they do is can work out.
1: <laughs> so this is one of the ones, I was real excited for this one because it's been a while since we've had one that's been kind of mind blow, like a, like a damn, I didn't see that coming. And I think he's definitely one <laughs> as a curveball. And I think when you see this picture, it's a perfect example of how in the story we focus on, you know, him being blind and running into a tree. And when you see this picture, you definitely remember, oh, yeah, he's been in prison half of his life and been in a gang since he was eight.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mike Sarah would definitely have to hit the weights to play this guy. That's for sure.
1: So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. Now, standard DEFCON scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. On the Bad Guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. So five would be Lee Murray, who is your bank robbing, drug dealing, kidnapper. And then at one, you got the Purple Gang, who's got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they kill people on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rank Blind Bob?
2: Listen, first of all, I love this guy. (laughs) If I could, I would give him a six. (laughs) The guy didn't even have a gun. He robbed banks with a note in the pop bottle. (laughs) Listen, Listen, he just was the typical... American man he just wanted to do a little gambling have a little ladies have a little fun and because of his disability he needed some kind of way to finance it all that's the way I see it I don't think he's a bad guy you know he's a pretty good guy he never took other people's money it was it was just that well he kind of did in the beginning with a scam but we're gonna erase that from the his three books but he was just he had his hustle and you know Hey, I think he was a, a pretty good guy. So I would give him a six if I could, but a five. I, I agree with EC a lot. i definitely say a five too. That what do you
4: think, Tank? It. Yeah, all day long, man. Because sometimes I want to give out points just because, like, how just badass they are at how they plan shit and stuff. But no, man, he's a five dude. I mean, who knows what's happened since then, though, man. That's what I'm most intrigued about. Like, if there's any fucking thing that we could say about the story, it's the last part of it was the most interesting of all It's like we haven't heard from him since 93. It's like that dude who hid all them gems in the fucking mountains and told people to find them. It's like the guy who jumped out of the plane with all the money back in the 40s or 50s. Supposedly, I forgot what his name is. How come I can't remember it? But D. D. Cooper. It's like, yeah, it's like it's like it's like what? Damn, man. <laughs> mind fucking blown.
3: See, I don't know. I'm not as surprised by the he disappeared thing. He was a blind guy that frequented strip clubs in Las Vegas. A lot of things could have happened to this guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'll definitely make it a unanimous, a unanimous five. I think one thing I think we kind of touched on it, but he said himself at one point, he said, I was born poor and blind. I didn't have a whole lot of other choices. And uh I don't think that's true. I mean, there's a lot of poor blind people that you know what I mean succeed in other ways. But I also I could kind of get it. Like I was I was born poor with eye with sight, and I still didn't do that much. So I can definitely see how you would turn to fucking bank robbing.
3: Well, I mean, being blind aside, he's a classic story of he was a little kid, got like adopted by a gang, he was doing scams as a child in and out of prison by the time he was 18. I mean that whole like Yeah, he was blind, so maybe his options weren't there. But even just, you just take that story, that's like a classic in the story. When you're that young and you get hooked in the crime game, yeah, follows you the rest of your
1: life. Sometimes. All right, so we're going to go ahead and make that a unanimous DEFCON 5.
5: That's right. It's going to the streets. Hey, y'all, it's revolution up in this bitch. Set the alarm DEFCON 5
1: before we go you guys got anything
3: yeah my uh, I keep my title as the King of fives
2: <laughs> I, I reign <laughs> No, I really enjoyed this story and shout out again to whoever on that suggested this I think it was a great story a little bit different than some of the other stories we've had but I, I just love the creativity of this guy like the best part of this podcast to me, is like the mastermind, so to speak, behind some of these individuals. And the only sad part is some of these guys really could have been, you know, great CEOs and things of that sort with the mind that they have and the creativity. But, you know, unfortunately, it was in a a different, on the wrong side of the law, so to speak. But uh, I really enjoyed this episode.
4: Yeah, thanks a lot for the suggestion. I mean, I know I said it probably like four times now, but Man, that's pretty awesome that, you know, this came from a, a fan on on uh, social media. I really appreciate it. I'm sure everybody else does too, but thank you, sir.
1: So we definitely want to make sure we thank, thank Minga, Rob, for the suggestion. And I would say, echoing your guys' thoughts, to me, this is a perfect example of this is what we started this podcast for. That's why we don't cover serial killers and stuff, because it's not all about body counts. It's Mm -hmm. about interesting stories, and I this to me ranks up there with one of the top interesting stories we've covered on this podcast. I agree.
3: agree. as the king of fives, I always dig the fives. Those are
1: always the funnest to me. And and the story was almost done, and then he ran into a tree, and then I was like, I got to see (laughs) him. I got to see if Dan could get on this episode.
0: (laughs) Uh.
1: Oh man! All right. (laughs) Well, this is uh, this is say hello to the bad guy. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. I come in last place. place, place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Down bad, my mama had to be dad. Spend my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ayy, ay. I So out of money grabbed a hundred hams. So money, grabbed a bunch of <clears throat> And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the missiles Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm gonna for my mental life And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie, Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. The good guy coming last place Smell that dope last when I pass by lie. Lie. I like my money, at had a fast yeah. pass yeah. Fast lane, let my money at a fast pace. Look like I like drag race. Control re up in my ashtray, I'm in my bag. Yeah. Good girl, bad face, slim no waist, and her ass fake. Ay, and she in love with the bad guy. Ay, but bad bitches never act right. Ay, she act up until that bag fly. I did a around in one night? Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Ay, ay, the Good guy coming. Smell that dope when I pass by I met my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Good guy, come at last place Smell that dope when I pass by I met my money at a fast pace